And there are young people where God may call you to be celibate, where maybe you don't have problems sexually, and maybe you just don't want to get married the rest of your life. Well, that's a gift of God to you. There are missionaries like that in the mission field. But that's not for everybody. The majority of the people do end up getting married and having children. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Thanks for joining us today for a comprehensive new series exploring the Bible's teachings on marriage. Today, Raul will lay the groundwork for our study with an overview of God's divine plan and life-giving purposes for the relationship between husband and wife. As you reflect on the Lord's perfect design, you'll see how He richly blesses those who honor and obey His will for their marriage. Let's listen as Roel Reese begins today's lesson, Celibacy and Marriage. Join us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Apparently, one of the questions that the church was asking was this, is celibacy more spiritual than marriage? This was the question that was being asked by the people in Corinth. Now, you have to understand that in the city of Corinth, the background to the city, most of the people that lived there were Greeks or Gentiles. And the goddess of Aphrodite was there, and she had a thousand prostitutes in the city. Every evening, these thousand prostitutes would begin to walk the streets, And would begin to seduce the young men and the old men of the city constantly. So there was great pressure for the Christians in the city of Corinth. And it seems from the writings of Paul. That many of the Christians that had come to Christ in Corinth. Had taken a new philosophy for themselves where they were coming home and telling their wives, now that I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, uh, we're not to be involved sexually anymore. They were actually taking it way over to the left side of what Christ has said. And it's interesting because the question the church was asking is celibacy more spiritual than marriage? Paul replied that it was good for a man or a woman to have the gift of celibacy, but celibate state is not better than marriage. And that's a question maybe some of you today would have in your own hearts. It is really dependent on how God has blessed you and what give has God given to you. Many people do not have the gift of singleness. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in verse 6, Paul is making clear that celibacy is permitted. But it is not a command. And then again in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, he's informing us that not everyone has the gift of remaining celibate. Or, that is, single, without marriage. 
Now, this actually is tying together the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew chapter 19, verses 10 through 12, where Jesus spoke about eunuchs. And literally, he spoke about how some eunuchs were made eunuchs by the king. That is, they were castrated, literally. Then, you have those that chose to be eunuchs for the kingdom of God. That is, they chose not to marry, but to be single for the rest of their lives. But this was not so from the beginning of time. Look at verse 1 and look at the problem, first of all, in chapter 7, verse 1, and then in verse 5. He says, Now, concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And then verse 5. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and to prayer and then come together again so that Satan doesn't tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, first of all, concerning this problem, Paul is saying that it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And that is literally sexually. We know that it is very hard for young people sometimes to contain themselves to fornication. But usually what happens is that if you are a Christian, we're not talking about non-believers, if you are a Christian, God has given some of the principles concerning how a young man and a young woman should come together to Christ. The first thing that I would recommend to you if you're a young person And a young woman, young man, and you're thinking of having a relationship with someone as boyfriend and girlfriend. First of all, young ladies, make sure that you know that that young man is a godly young man. That he is going to be the head of that relationship. That is, make sure that he knows Christ. Because if he doesn't, you will suffer in that relationship. There are young people coming in all the time and talking to me how they came here and they met each other and they, they started to like each other and they decided to go ahead and become boyfriend and girlfriend. And they started praying together and reading the scriptures together as they should. But then their spiritual relationship began to turn towards the desires of the flesh. That is, they got into immorality. No longer were they praying together or reading together. But now it was a sexual relationship. And it was not really healthy for both of them. Because they were striving. And there are those young girls that come along and they're in this relationship. And the girl or the guy becomes really strong and says, You know what? We're going to have to stop this and we're going to have to get right with God and there's not going to be any more sex. Usually, a lot of times, the young guys will actually go looking for somebody else because they were only interested in you physically. They were actually using you instead of really loving you. You have to really be careful because Paul will warn us here concerning these things. I think it's wise and I think it's important that before anyone would even think of marrying, just to get married because of the sake of sexual encounter is not right. 
But you really have to go before the Lord and say, God, is this the one that you want me to actually spend all of my life with until death do us part? God never intended for people to marry and to divorce. God intended in those vows that we take for better, for worse, until death do us part. So help me God, I do. That's what we said. I remember when I first met my wife Sharon. I was not a believer. As a matter of fact, we actually got to know each other in 1963 when we started high school in Baldwin Park. And she had just uh, actually came up from South America. She was a missionary's daughter. And they had spent most of their time in Colombia and in Chile for uh, being missionaries. Their parents were missionaries. And we met, but we never really became boyfriend or girlfriend, but we became pretty good friends. And it wasn't until after graduation when I went in the Marines and then I went to Vietnam that through writing letters in Vietnam that we literally fell in love with one another. And when I came back from Vietnam, uh, we actually got together. And at that particular time, uh, my wife wasn't really walking close to the Lord. And I was a total heathen. And the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 through chapter 7 verse 1. That we are not to be unequally yoked together with a non-believer for what fellowship has light with darkness. Or what kind of fellowship can someone have with Satan that is a Christian. You see. God forbids us to be together unless we're both in the light. And we're both walking in Christ. Otherwise you're out of the will of God. That's what the scripture teaches. But I think it's wise. And I think it's important. That as my wife came together. The reason that we became husband and wife. Is because our relationship didn't start in Christ. It started in the flesh. And ended in the flesh. She got pregnant. When I came back from Vietnam. She got pregnant. And something that, that really I was taught as a heathen by my father and by my parents is to always be responsible for your actions. Which a lot of young men and young ladies are not accountable and responsible for what they do today. What do I mean by that? Well, I very easily could have said, well, Sharon, you know what? You're pregnant. Why don't you get an abortion? But I never recommended that. I love my wife, and I love the baby, and I told her that I would not only marry her, but I would take care of her in the situation. May God help us to be men of responsibility and accountability and integrity when we do fall, or when we do commit an act. Because otherwise, we become just like the world. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165 for resources to strengthen your marriage and grow in your understanding of the union that God desires for you and your spouse. You can also purchase this entire series on an MP3 flash drive. We'll tell you about that in just a moment. But first, let's get back to the final part of our study, celibacy and marriage. 
You see, when I took my wife to be my wife, I took her for better or for worse, until death do us part, so help me God, I do. And it hasn't been easy, because after I became a Christian, I had to learn many things. Especially when you have children, then the father has to become the head or the leader of his home. I'm hoping that some of you parents that are here today, and some of you young people that one day will be parents, that your whole cause when you get married is that you need to understand, you don't want to see your children in hell. You want to see them in heaven. When they're little, giving them Bible studies and praying for them and making them memorize scripture. That's the responsibility that we have as parents. And the responsibility you have as a single person is not just get married because you're burning in your lust. And there are young people where God may call you to be celibate. Where maybe you don't have problems sexually and maybe you just don't want to get married the rest of your life. Well, that's a gift of God to you. There are missionaries like that in the mission field. They have the gift of celibacy. But that's not for everybody. The majority of the people do end up getting married and having children. That's God's plan and God's purpose for the church, for procreation. So important that we understand. You see, the solution to celibacy As Paul tells you in chapter 7 verse 2, he says, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, there's the problem, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. That's the solution to stopping immorality. Get married in the Lord. Take your husband and take her as to be your wife. And then you don't have to fornicate anymore. Paul here is advising that if you have had or you're having a sexual problem, it's better to marry than to continue to burn in the dust of your flesh. So many people today are like that. But then the purpose also of celibacy and marriage is in verse 32 of chapter 7 and verse 35. He says, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. You see, to be single is a great factor. Why? Because you can spend all your time in the Lord. There are no distractions. You see, but when you're married, there are distractions taking care of your wife and taking care of your children. And you can't move the way you used to move before you were married. You see? So Paul says, it's good to be single. And the reason he says that is because in verse 25 he says, And this I say to your own prophet, not that I may put a leash on you, notice, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without any distractions. That's why Paul says that. And the reason Paul can say that is because Paul at this particular time was single. According to tradition, according to history, Paul the apostle was married at one time. Why? We know that because he belonged to the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee. And in order to be in the Sanhedrin among the 72 elders, you had to be married. Now tradition tells us two things. This is what happened probably. Number one, either Paul's wife died and never married again, 
Or when Paul came to Jesus Christ, his wife left him. And he never ever again got married, but he was married to the Lord. That could happen too. You could be married at one time. And you don't have to get married again. As a matter of fact, Paul will tell us here again, if there are any widows among us, if your husband dies or your wife dies, he says the only way that you can get married again, he says it's good if you remain single, then you can spend all your time for the Lord. But if you can't contain, and you need a husband, you need a wife, you can only get married in the Lord. Only in the Lord. Only to a Christian. Not to an unbeliever. Only to the Lord. So here Paul is giving instructions concerning celibacy and marriage. And again, Paul is the one that is giving us the insight to this whole concept and doctrine of marriage that he brings about. And then he gives the answer. In verses 7 and 9, look what he says. For I wish that all men were even as myself, single. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that, one in singleness and one in marriage. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn in passion. You see? And then at the end of the chapter, he says, only in the Lord. If you marry somebody else when your husband dies, Or your wife dies. So Paul here is wishing that everyone could be just like him, single. To accomplish the purposes and the work of God. Here are some reasons I want to give you today. 12 reasons for marriage. Okay, so you can have for your own self. Reason number one. Marriage, first of all, is instituted by God. Not by man. In Genesis 2.18 he says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. You see, what Paul is talking about, and then going back to the time when we have the book of Genesis, when God is speaking to Adam and Eve, it wasn't Adam looking for a wife. He never looked for a wife. Never. We are never to be looking for a wife or a husband. But the Bible says this, That when God saw the loneliness of Adam, God actually took Adam and put him into a deep sleep. And the Bible says what? That God brought the woman to the man. And he took her from one of his ribs or from the closest part of man's heart. And he made a woman. A companion. A friend. Somebody that would become a helpmeet to him. And that's what it's all about concerning marriage. It's to become two people. But when you come to Christ and you're married in Christ, you now become one with each other. Secondly, marriage is honorable in all. Hebrews 13, 4 says this. Marriage is honorable among all. And the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Thirdly, Marriage is a permanent bond. It's not just for six months or one year or 10 years or 20 years. It's until death do us part. Matthew 19.6 says this. And so then they no longer should become two people but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined or glued together let no man separate. Notice that. 
Let no man separate or divorce. Fourthly, marriage is an intimate bond between male and female. Matthew 19.5 says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall be glued unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then fifthly, marriage is blessed of God. God gives His blessing. In Genesis 1, 27, 28, He says, And so God created men in His own image. In the image of God, He created him, male and female. He created both of them. And then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, because He says, Have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God blessed men through procreation, and ruling over the animal kingdom. And then six, marriage is dissolved only by death. Romans 7, 2 and 3. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, then she is released from the law of her husband. So then if her husband lives, you notice she marries another man, then she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is no longer an adulteress, though she has married another man. And then seventh, marriage is the means of sexual love. Proverbs five fifteen through 19. Drink water from your own cistern or your own wife. Running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad that is going around committing adultery. Notice that. Streams of water in the streets. Let them be only your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed. And rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving dear and graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. And always be enraptured with her love. Whether you're married or single. We hope your heart has been uplifted by today's assurances. That God has a perfect plan for your future. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to hear this message again in its unedited form, just call us at 800-634-9165 and we'll send a copy to you for a donation of $5 or more. When you contact us, mention today's title, Celibacy and Marriage. As you think about the blessings that God gives to those who honor Him with faith and obedience, we'd like to tell you about this entire marriage series available on an MP3 flash drive. Rawls' 20-lesson study will walk you through the Bible's insights into God's design for marriage and will clarify the relational parameters that He's put in place for us to follow. You'll see that while society's views and approach to marriage are constantly shifting, God's design remains unchanged and absolute. To order Rawls' 20-message marriage series on MP3, visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. We'll send your USB drive for a gift of $30 or more. That's 800-634-9165. If you'd like to order by sending a check, our mailing address is Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. Never before has it been so easy to get Rawls' teachings to take with you. 
Whether you're a daily commuter or you're in the home environment, the Somebody Loves You Radio podcast is a great way to listen to these programs on your schedule. It's also a convenient way to hear a particular series from beginning to end. Check out the podcast when you visit Spotify or iTunes and start listening today. This is a listener-supported ministry, and we thank you for partnering with us. Your donations are a great blessing, and everyone is tax-deductible. Join us next time for more insight into God's perfect vision and design for marriage. We'll go back to the beginning when the Lord first brought Adam and Eve together in the garden. Now, here's Raul with a final thought from today's teaching. And then at the same time, eighth marriage is centered in the love and obedience of Christ. Ephesians 5.33 says, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And then ninth marriage is men's happiness. Genesis 2.18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper or a friend comparable to him. Notice that God gives you somebody that will love you and take care of you and watch over you. He'll make you comparable to one another. And then tenth marriage is for the continuance of the race, or that is for procreation. We already said that already. Eleventh, marriage is to keep you from fornication, from immorality and adultery. First Corinthians 7, 2 said what? Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. And then 12 and lastly, marriage brings complete satisfaction to husband and wife. Proverbs 5.19 says this, As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured by her love. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.